Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast. So we are on this uh, Advent journey. We've been talking about traveling. Traveling, I think, is an important word for it. Traveling with the characters of the Christmas story and listening to the voices of those who are present at, at what's a cosmic turning point. It's the incarnation, um, the, the uh, God becoming human. I mean, this is an incredible thing that's going to affect us right down through to today. And so far, we've heard roughly an order on day one from the angels and Mary, uh, last week from Rachel and Herod and Joseph. This morning, Calvin talked about the Magi, the wise men you might have heard, really worth listening to um, as it comes online. Uh, and tonight, we're going to be looking at the shepherds. And then our final voice we will share um, on Tuesday night, 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock, as you know, at our Christmas Eve service. And we're hoping, we're thinking that this series could be a, I don't know, a stimulation, um, a challenge, uh, fresh insights, healing maybe, restoration, um, that we'll be moved that in the, in the good times and the bad times of the Christmas story, the Advent story, that we'll be challenged, that we'll recognize ourselves in there, that we'll make room as Mary made room for the incarnation, not to take place in some teenage lady 2,000 years ago, but in, in our lives, for God to take residence in our lives and for us to discover who and what he is. So if you've missed some along the way, svc.org.nz slash sermons will get you to them or on your podcast choice. Um, and we'll just look forward to um, sort of taking you through a journey with these voices of Advent. So tonight we're looking at the shepherds. And if you were to say, well, who do the shepherds represent? I think you could say probably they would be, be you'd use words like they're the marginalized of society. They're the outcasts of society. They're the outsiders. They're the have-nots of society. And we'll spend some time looking at that. It's a really confronting um, group of people for, I guess, the people at the time there, but for us to delve a little deeper into today. And so I, I trust that that will be a, a helpful thing. And I couldn't help but think, as um, Fran, who's put this series together, um, that it was appropriate that that the shepherds would come at the end of the week when we did our Christmas shop that Bronte mentioned a little bit earlier. So on Tuesday, we gathered here out in our foyer and our various rooms out there, and we brought through about 120 families who we managed to, to give their Christmas to, give food, toys, um, wrap their presents, um, love them, 
uh, pray for them where appropriate. And it was just this incredible thing. And we, we had a guy come in and take a video of it, and he's put together this, this video, which I want to show you. And I think it's pertinent to our series tonight and to our shepherds tonight to think about the people that we were able to minister to. So here goes. The Good Works Trust is a charitable organisation. We're obviously here. Uh, our, I guess our core component is making sure that we uh, create hope in the community and, strength, and strengthening our communities. The three key benefits and outcomes that we have in mind, um, the first one is the emergency feeding of families. We are an emergency food bank, um, operate all every weekday during the year. Uh, and families, when they run into trouble, they need food. Um, in an emergency. They need it today. It's not like they book it for next week. And so every day um, our drivers come into our building, um, take away the food, and maybe two, three, four, ten food parcels will go out and will feed families. The second thing is uh, providing dignity in this process. So this is not a handout. It's not a freebie in that sense. It's heavily subsidised, of course. Um, but every family that comes in here brings a $10 or $20 koha. They probably take away $150 worth of stuff. It's great for people to be given things. We recognise that for some, you know, for some people they actually want that opportunity to be able to, um, to offer what they can. We're so reliant on uh, organisations and uh, individuals that are, are coming to you know, to, to assist. They, they see the vision that we have supporting, um, supporting people and they get on board. Certainly wanting to reach out to, to more in the community that, that want to help, that want to be a part of um, the vision and, and help us reach more. And one of the most effective thing we do is what we call the Christmas shop. doing that today here uh, and we're in that we're feeding for Christmas 120 of the neediest families we'd say on the North Shore. And everybody assumes it's the most affluent or one of the most affluent parts of New Zealand. In reality what we know is we've got a lot of families that are in massive need um, that are struggling and you know with finding work. Immigration and into our area as well where we just simply have uh, a, a genuine need. Uh, these are some of our most vulnerable families in our local communities and um, this ensures that they'll be able to have uh, a really enjoyable Christmas with their families. Um, we're really fortunate to have um, some great partners that we work alongside such as Tapuna, Haroa. Uh, we also work close with the DHBs as well and they offer the people that are the most in need so that we're not here and I, picking and choosing people, families get referred to us. Hi, I'm Alan, I'm a Fano support worker from Te Punahou Order. Uh, we've got this relationship with Shaw Vineyards Church that we've had now for about 13 years, and they help provide um, Christmas food hamper, as well as all these other extra items for our family. Beautiful spirit, beautiful giving. I love the, um, the giving and also um, 
how much the Christmas spirit is here today um, and it's helped me out a lot and my family because there's like nine of us so We've got an amazing group of volunteers and people um, that are here helping us out and it's because they've got real love for people. So this is the Christmas shop and I am so grateful to be here as a volunteer because we're able to provide for the people in our community who need it the most. Christmas is a time of joy and of love and for Fano, and a lot of people can't provide the sort of Christmas that they want to because of all sorts of circumstances. It's such a blessing to be able to just give to other people that you know aren't in the situations that we're in so it's just been fantastic to be able to yeah give out and it really like humbles your heart and it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to give to others. As a church we've been doing this Christmas shop now for about 20 years. You know I've been involved for the last six or seven but it's a really great chance to give back to the community and bring people in to feel respected and loved. It brings me a lot of joy. Um, it's something I look forward to every year. How many prisons have you read today? I have not counted a lot. <laughs> For all the amazing volunteers that came and made this day possible and all our funders that make this day possible, uh, people who have fundraised and raised funds for us, okay. uh, that makes a huge difference because it means that we can purchase these top, top quality products. Yeah, we hope that, um, that it really makes a difference. That's really the, uh, the mission of the, uh, the Good Works Trust is to make sure that uh, we generate hope and, and just support our local communities whether it's food parcels, whether it's even some things like assisting with CAP and debt counselling opportunities and, and the like. So we're just trying to find little ways that we can make a real difference in, um, in these people's lives. Because the reality is, is there's considerably more than you know, 120 odd families that are, that are in need uh, here on the North Shore. There's, um, I'm sure, quadruple that plus. But we can't do it alone. We're just simply a small cog in the wheel and want uh, the support of um, our you know, community and, and those around to be a part of it. So what we hope and, uh, through this is that we're going to get more, um, more companies, more organisations that want to uh, find out more about the Good Works Trust, find out what, um, how they can help and be a, be a part of it and support um, so that we're just doing our, our piece all together. That's, what, that's the business that we're in, we're wanting to help and be a part of that and you know, really create great opportunity. So yeah, love to hear from you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone who contributed in big ways and small to make that happen. And as we sort of have asked for, you know, funding and money and toys and chocolate biscuits and things like that, it really came together incredibly well. Um, and the Good Works Trust, if you didn't kind of pick up, is sort of the more community trust that we run via from our church here so that we can um, be in, engaged in the community in the way that a church can't possibly. But in the connection with the shepherds, and the reason that I throw that into the middle of my sermon rather than and sort of it just as an announcement outside it, is, is when you read the shepherd's story, which we're about to, you can't help but feel that if Jesus was born today, that the heavenly chorus of angels may well come to the 120 fam neediest families that we had through our doors on Tuesday, more so than even to us who are here today. 
And that is deeply challenging. That is deeply, um, I don't know, stretching in terms of us figuring out what God is doing and hearing the voices of the shepherds come through. So I want to read to you from Luke chapter 2. So if you've uh, got Bibles, you might like to have a look. I'll flick up a few words along the way there. Um, and we'll read from um, verses 4 to, um, for, to 18, I think it is. And we'll read the story, which will be familiar to you from Christmas carols, um, if you've even heard them in malls, even if you're not a church person. Um, but take you through the story and try and figure out some of the things that the shepherds might say to us. And so from reading from verse 4 of Luke 2, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And so I just want to pause there. We haven't got to the shepherds yet. This is what's happening with the Christmas story. We can see the, a bit of the Christmas story, the way it's depicted in art here. It's very dispassionate. Um, we, we think of the Christmas story in the context of um, Christmas carols and Christmas cards, and it's amazing and all of these sorts of things. When it comes to Mary and giving birth, it's a very dispassionate account. Basically, it says in verse 7, which is where we've got to in Luke 2 so far, she gave birth, she wrapped him in cloths, and she placed him in a manger. Um, there's nothing much more than that. Um, and by the way, Mary was probably not heavily pregnant riding to um, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, wherever she's going, Bethlehem on a donkey, um, getting there, shut out, uh, having the birth that night, and all of those sorts of things. So she probably got there in reasonable time. She was pregnant, clearly pregnant. She may have gone on a donkey. I guess that's what they used in those days sometimes. She was probably in a private house. The animals would come in at night, and she probably, you know, kind of was, was either in the upstairs or the downstairs where the, where the animals were. Jesus was put in the manger. A lot of it we've added. It's great. It's wonderful. We don't have to disprove it. We don't have to grouch about it or anything like that. But the, the account of Luke is very no emotion, no reaction. Um, he spends more time on Jesus' conception than he does on Jesus' birth. And in fact, what he does is he saves the fireworks for the announcement to the shepherds, which is where we move on to today, because that's an important thing. And so from verse 8, if you're following me, of uh, Luke chapter 2, he says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, 
glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. So I I touched on these verses a couple of weeks ago in the morning when we kicked off this series, when I was talking about the angels. And of course, we've been talking about in different messages, Mary and Joseph in messages since then. You can listen to them in the series. But if we turn instead today to the shepherds, we see the story from a different lens. So, you know, kind of, I guess it's like a, I don't know, if, if, if we all witness an accident from different places, we all see it from a different, a different perspective. If you, if you look at an island from, from one perspective, you know, from down on the sea or from up on, the, up, up on a, a, um, a, a drone camera or something like that, you see it from a completely different perspective. And so we have these different perspectives that are coming in when we see these different stories of them coming along. And so it is astounding when you think about the shepherds, when you think about who these shepherds were, that they are the ones who it is declared that this Jesus who was born is going to be by the three main titles that we're going to hear about him through his whole ministry over the next well, 33 years, I guess, from when he's born, the 30 years until he begins his ministry, we're going to discover that this Jesus is going to be the Savior of the world, the Messiah that we've been waiting for, and the Lord of our lives. And we're going to see these things, and it's announced to the angels, not announced to Mary, although she probably has a bit of a wind of it, but, uh, but, um, but, but knowing that, that this is what Jesus is going to be doing. Um, it is astounding and unsettling that, that Mary was not to see the host of angels, that Mary was not to see sort of this incredible display of, of angelic coming to earth, glory to God in the highest, all of these things. But it was the shepherds who would have to tell her about it. You know, you can imagine them arriving to worship Mary and saying, this is incredible things happening. And Mary, she's kind of there in, in, in her manger in the bottom of the house and stuff like that, saying, that must have been amazing. You know, I wish I could have seen it. But it was the shepherds who saw that and were able to recount. It. it is astounding and even unsettling that the shepherds and the magi who Calvin talked about this morning are such outsiders to the whole of the story of the Christmas story, to the Jewish people, to the, to the Old Testament or anything that we've seen so far, that they are, are not disciples, that they are not really holy men. Um, that they're not really in the, in the classical sense deserving of a vision, visitation of God. And then they drift off the scene. We don't really know what happens to them from here. We don't hear a lot. We do hear that they told, that people were amazed. Um, the, the Magi go back a different way. They get kind of eliminated from the story. Were they even saved? You know, were they even Christians, you know? And so what a challenge this is to us to think, you know, God is including them in this incredible story that he's weaving. And we're going to discover some of those things as we come to the end in a few minutes tonight. These things are astounding. These things are unsettling. You see, shepherds were people to be avoided. They were unclean and outside the law. I mean, I think in New Zealand, we probably would see shepherds as, as, as part of our great national story, you know, kind of the, the, the foundation, you know, kind of our rural our agriculture, that, that this you know, beautiful nation, wonderful nation that we're in has been built on. But shepherds were, were unclean. They were, they were not considered worthy of, of, of really any, you know, kind of giving them any um, credit or any joy. Um, they lived outdoors. They grazed their flocks on other people's lands. 
Um, we may sort of think of, you know, like gypsies or, or Romani in, in, um, in Europe, um, people that are sort of outside and off the grid. If we were to compare them today, we might recognize a family like this who kind of mucked up our Takapuna Beach last, last, um, last year, sort of, you know, kind of the, the unruly family, I think we called them in our headlines. You know, kind of these might be the shepherds of the time if we were able to kind of connect on what they were. Um, or maybe they could be some of the neediest families on the North Shore. Maybe they could be some of the most vulnerable families, as Chris says, I think, so beautifully in that video on the North Shore that, that God is vitally interested in, that God would draw close to, that God would choose to know. Maybe they could be like those sorts of people. And yet Jesus just breaks, breaks the, what you'd think were the norm. Even now, it just seems bizarre that he would come to the least of the least, in a sense, and declare himself, or, or you know, kind of his angelic host would come to declare um, J Jesus. But Jesus, he comes to these unlovely shepherds. You know, they're not lovely people, but Jesus comes to them, or, or God comes to them and makes this great announcement. All these, all these intelligent, um, brilliant, maybe, you know, kind of astrologers who are out in the east, you know, following Zoroastrianism and, and, and trying to figure out what truth is. And he should visit them and show them the star. And then Jesus will later call himself Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd, John 10, 7, amongst the I am, the great I am statements of Jesus. There was no such thing as a Good Shepherd. Shepherds were bad, bad shepherd, oxymoron, Good Shepherd, not such a thing. And so saying good shepherd would almost be like, you know, the good doll bludger today or the good drug dealer today. Oh, you know, kind of I am the good drug dealer, Jesus says. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Um, the good gang member or something like that. We would say, well, how can that be? That's an oxymoron. But that's what we're dealing with here when we're looking and meeting and seeing this shepherd. So and this this ironic situation that those whose occupation put them near the bottom of the socioeconomic scale were the first people to be invited to see a royal birth. You know, so unlike what we would expect, so unlike what we would see um, even today, this great incongruity of these unhygienic and unclean farmers making this visit to the royal throne. And we wouldn't know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't expect it to happen today. And so I feel like, the shepherds are here to challenge us. Their voices are here to challenge us. We don't hear a lot about what they say, but what God does in the interaction with them is deeply challenging. And so as we come to the end of our message tonight and, and to the end of the, the kind of the natural part of the series in that sense, and we will conclude that obviously on Christmas Eve, I want to I go to some questions that maybe the shepherds might ask us as we are here today, as we leave from today. And I want to go to questions because I, I, I did questions again at the end of last S Sunday night's message too, I think. And um, this year I've been, I've been studying and, and in a formation program to become a spiritual director. And, um, and, and it's, been, it's been incredibly um, 
I don't know, uh, fulfilling and, and stimulating and challenging from time to time. And some of you know Fran, my wife, she, she runs the national program. And so I, I've been her student and I've been trying to be good in the front row or the back row. I haven't quite known which row I'm supposed to go in and all of that sort of thing. It's been amazing. And so it's, it, but, it, but it's also been, it's called a formation program. I walked into this thing to be formed. So being formed, you know that you're, you're, never, you're not going to come out the same again. And so I've been in this process of being formed. And so at the end of it, sort of as we've just finished, completed sort of the first year of finish, um, you have to do this thing about how describing your relationship with Jesus and how it's grown, how you've been formed essentially during the course of this year, and take it to your spiritual director and kind of talk it through. It's like, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm not a natural open book. It's like I'd rather keep that to myself. Thank you very much. So we're talking about this thing, you know, kind of opening up. And one of the things that I've been really aware of during this year is the joy of questions as opposed to my previous understanding that the most important things about questions were that you answered the darn things. So the joy of questions as opposed to the finality of answers. And I've kind of concluded to during the year, and I think this might be helpful for you to know, it's not just sort of a trip down my own 2019 memory lane and saying, and it's like, if you have questions, don't be so quick, perhaps, to pursue the answers or panic if you can't find answers because questions actually lead you somewhere that will take you deeper. As soon as you go and find an answer, you've kind of shut a door. Well, I know that. And, and, and then you have to move on from that. So questions are beautiful. And so I want to pose you three questions which are probably more relevant to me, but, but I want to encourage you, if these things don't sound relevant to you, then make up your own ones and begin to work with us. So here is the part of my message as we come to a close. That is not going to give you any answers out of the shepherds, but I hope invites you to consider the shepherds as you think about it over the next couple of days. And the first question I think that the shepherds give us is this idea of, is my view of God's love big enough? Because this is a story of, of, of just radical love that God has for us and that he's going not to the best and not to the most privileged and even not to the most deserving or definitely not to the most deserving, whatever the most deserving means. But he's not going to the, um, I don't know, the good people. He's going to the bad people. And he's saying, I'm, I am a representative and I'm going to declare this thing. That is the love of God. This is an amazing thing. And I think that's such a stimulating thing. It's so good to kind of look into it and say, wow, that's a loving God. That was really good to the shepherds. And that's, a, that's a, an answer. He is a loving God who was really good to the shepherds. But what a question to think about. I wonder if my view of God's love is big enough. And what does that mean? How big God's love is, how amazing God's love is. We, we did the Blessed series back in November, um, I think it was. We did the Beatitudes, remember, and we sang a song um, in, each of those, um, in each of those services. And I, I loved, the, I loved the, uh, the kingdom of yours, it was. I, I loved the verse that was, Blessed is the soul of this for righteousness, righteousness, welcoming the last the lost, the least. And, re and remembering that this was, we both, we both represented in those that the Beatitudes were a call to us and a representation of what Jesus would become. So if you remember that. So welcoming the last, the lost, and the least. And there's something about the love of God that is represented in the story of the shepherds that we could do well to ponder and, and pull apart and think about 
And we might come to another question which might say, is God more comfortable with some people than I am? And, and if that's the case, why is that? How come God seems to be more comfortable with those who are outside this room or outside my normal natural friendship or my normal natural experience or whatever it is? And if he is, why is it? What is there for me to grow in yet and to discover that will come from the shepherds? It certainly seems like that we might find God in the most unlikely places and with the most unlikely people. And I think the shepherd's story or the voice or the, uh, the questions that shepherds give us is an invitation to explore that. And I'm not going to give you answers or attempt to give you answers, but the question is magnificent to me, at least, to be thinking about the question of, is my view of God, God's love big enough? Or what about this, am I looking for God in the right places? So if you were to tell me, you know, kind of how can I find God over the next couple of days, I would say, here we go. It's a Christmas Eve service. Come along. It's going to be fantastic. You should sing. Well, you know, kind of we'll do, um, we'll have nibbles at the end and, you know, it'll be fantastic. We'll sing carols and all of those sorts of things. And I believe that. I hope you'll come. I hope you'll bring people. It'll be a fantastic thing. But that's your automatic go-to, isn't it? Well, it's Christmas time. I should go Christmas Eve. I do my God bit. And, um, and then we get on to, you know, whatever it is, whatever is the next thing. Or you might go to Luke 2.7. You say, this amazing thing. There's this Jesus was born. And then you get to Luke 2.7 and you discover it's a pretty boring verse, really. And so Jesus was born, wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger. And miss Luke 2.8 and say, and then this amazing thing happened. The fireworks happened. The announcement was written all over the sky that God was there. And I, 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 I wonder... It's not to say I'm going to stop looking at Christmas Eve services or in Luke 2.7, but am I looking for God in the right places? And if, and if I'm not, where are the places that I could look that I'm not looking at the moment? And might I discover a richer understanding, a richer vein of faith and understanding if I was to be more open and more flexible or more, in, um, yeah, yeah, more inviting of the things that God's wanting to do? And so, you know, I've done a lot of Christmases and a lot of Christmas Eves. And so it's so easy to be, again, looking into something that took place way, way, way over there and, and, and missing the point, which this is a journey for me, a journey in my heart. This is something that's happening to me. And then for my last question, and that is, you know, kind of maybe an extension is, am I still open after all these years to having my mind blown by God, to be completely undone? Am I open? I don't think I've cried this year. I haven't cried much in my adult life, really. But am I, am I really? Have I? Not really. No, no. I'm kind of pretty closed book, really. So twice. twice. Oh, you've counted both. <laughs> am I open to having my mind blown by God? Or have I just kind of filtered them into kind of, this is where it, this is where it works for me. This is where, yeah, but, but stay away, thank you. You know, kind of let's not talk about that. You know, kind of am I still open to having... God, move in my life. When was I last amazed? When was I last, you know, I don't know, bemused? When was I last undone by an encounter with God? And is God inviting me towards that rather than something in comfort? When did I last, to pick up from the shepherds, go to Bethlehem? Because that's what they did. They saw this announcement and they said, let's get up. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what's happening. But over in Bethlehem, something amazing's happened and we need to be there. 
when did I last go to Bethlehem? When, what, what is Bethlehem? What does it look like? What is it for me? Not, not a historic account. I'm sure they went to Bethlehem. I'm sure they were real. But as, a, as, a, as an invitation to me, what else did they do? Oh, and we'll go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. You know, So this, this amazing thing has happened. The incarnation has happened. This is our invitation to a journey of the in, incarnation. And when they'd seen, they spread the word concerning what had been told of them about this child. When did I last live? the vibrancy that expressed either by who I was or by the words that I spoke, this life-changing invitation of what an encounter with this living God is, this incarnation of God. When was I last in that kind of space? Or when did I last, which is where they end up, glorify, (coughs) excuse me, and praise God for all the things that I've seen and heard? When did I last kind of allow myself, you know, the freedom, the flexibility, the, the breaking loose of the, cha- of the shackles, the, the, the sense of this, this is an overwhelming, incredible thing? And I think that's such, a, such a, an awesome question, which I don't have to answer today, but to explore this whole idea of, am I still open to having my mind blown by God? This Christmas, this Advent, this Christmas Eve, this season, these questions. And I think it's a wonderful thing that we could do. The whole idea of the Advent Voices series, I think if I can kind of sort of um, interpret how Fran sort of crafted it together and stuff, is that the voices that we can see would speak to us down centuries and millennia and, and, and bring us into an encounter with the voice of God today not even their voices, but with the voice of God today, that it would be a, a journey, it would be a, um, a pilgrimage, as Cal was talking about this morning. It would be a place for us to go and discover and to be wowed. What an incredible invitation it is for us this Christmas. The shepherds, I think I have, yeah, the shepherds have this incredible um, place now in my heart, and I think it's something that I'm going to question and discover for a long time yet. So would you stand with me, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to just invite God to ask you a question, a question to take away, something that's open-ended perhaps, something that you can't Google, something that you can't ask somebody, but a question that we can work with today. So would you be open to that? Let's listen to his voice. And so God, Lord, we thank you for, for I might forget, but we thank you for the the angels and for Mary on week one, for Rachel and Herod and Joseph on week two. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the Magi and the shepherds. And Lord, we, we understand them a little bit more and we might have heard their voices a little bit. But Lord, we pray now that that you would you'd give us a question, Lord. You'd give us something to pursue. You'd give us something to walk towards, to nut out, to wrestle with, just like you know, Israel called God wrestlers. Lord, help us with the shepherds' voices and the shepherds' questions and all those other characters' voices and questions. Discover something that is personal and intimate and far-reaching and gobsmacking and ultimately life-changing. And so just, just ask Him. 
And so, Lord, we come before you with a sense that we want to be the voices of Advent. We want to hear the voices to pick up what's been said and to walk forward. And so we, we just bring ourselves before you, our loved ones. We bring before you our um, summers, our, our holidays, our New Year's. Lord, all of the things that are, you know, busy, make make busy. And, and, and in and amongst them, we bring ourselves. And Lord, we present ourselves to you. We present our treasures, our gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We come, or we at least walk towards the place that you are. And Lord, we just thank you for, for taking us and leading us by the hand. In Jesus' name we pray.